0: Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated.
1: Well, hello there and welcome to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan. Got another great show on the way for you today. Scott, what's going on in your world, my friend?
0: Well, we're just uh, here in the winter wonderland of the Midwest. <laughs> And so, yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting uh, winter, I believe, here in the in the
1: heartland. Beh- behind the scenes moment for the listeners, Scott, we had to reschedule this podcast recording like eight times because of the weather. So it's just been uh, it's an interesting
0: setup for things to come this winter, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is the uh, that now I'm sounding like a middle aged, but the Farmer's Almanac I was oh, told. Uh,
1: it's out the uh, Farmer's Almanac. All right. I I
0: was told this this morning by a, a an older gentleman at my the gym I go to. He said, "Farmer's Almanac says it's going to be a rough winter." So whatever <laughs> what, that means. What's the
1: woolly Worm say? Isn't that the other uh, one of the other ones?
0: Yeah, if you <laughs> see those furry caterpillars going across the road, they're I guess they're gearing up for it, getting their winter coats going. That's
1: so. right. Oh, Funny. I'm gonna guess that you you don't knock the Farmer's Almanac in the Midwest, right? I mean, it's just you should you probably should not. Right. You
0: probably should not. No, right.
1: right. We'll poke a. We'll jab a little fun, but we won't we won't dwell on on downing that. You know, I'm sure it's right. Sometimes, I bet I'd be willing well, to bet uh-huh. they hit it.
0: <laughs> well, a, a busted grandfather clock is right twice a day, too. So exactly. So you got to have gotta better,
1: better odds than that, hopefully. I would think, I, I would think so. I would think so. <laughs> well, too funny. Well, glad that you are uh, able to make the recording today, and hopefully everybody was safe driving around, and uh, the, the winter won't be too bad, we hope, certainly. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Today's episode may sound familiar if you've been listening since the beginning of our show. We, in fact, did this similar discussion uh, right around a year ago. Actually, we're a little ahead of the game here in 2019. But uh, just about a year ago, we did a 2018 end-of-year tax planning checklist episode, Scott. And as always, things change a little bit, and we need reminders as our lives change and different things happen. So we're bringing it back, except now it'll be the 2019 tax planning end of year checklist that we need to cover on today's show. And you're going to kind of give us the the blow by blow of what we need to do to prepare for the upcoming tax season.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we've definitely morphed over time here, our financial planning firm, where we, you know, taxes are more of a focus for us in Really, it's tax minimization is what we're really focused on. And so we we like to put this guide out. We had great feedback last year, so we're doing it again this year. We've got it all polished up and all the updates. Not a lot of major changes from last year, but we want to go through a few of the highlights to make sure you understand how you need to get prepared for the end of the year. Uh, So you march into 2020 with your ducks in a row.
1: Last year, we spent a lot of time talking about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, of 2017 and how that was going to have a bigger impact in the 2018 filing, 2019 filing of that, uh, you know, of those changes. So we had a really big thing to focus on last year's episode. What's going to kind of be the focus of uh, this year's checklist?
0: Well, I think that that idea that, you know, taxes between now and January 2026 are at historical lows, and we've really got this window of opportunity from 2018 to 2026 to take advantage of those historically low tax rates. And when we look at where we stand, if you look back at history, you know tax rates have been a lot higher uh, in our past. And I recently did some year-end tax planning classes uh, this month, and I did a little bit of that history of... Where have tax rates been in the past? And a lot of people were shocked. So, if you think you know about taxes in the past, and if you think about our taxes, do you really like paying the taxes we have today? And if you think about our highest tax rate now, it's thirty seven percent. And to put that in other terms, let's say you've got a dollar and you take a dollar out of your IRA, 37 cents of that dollar goes to the Internal Revenue Service and you get to keep the rest. Does that seem like that's a lot?
1: (laughs) You know, it it doesn't on the dollar scale, but I bet if you made it a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars, then it would Mm -hmm. really start to feel like a lot. It
0: is. And so even that hurts to think about it, but if we look back in time, Walter, since no one else can answer me, I've got to ask you, <laughs> any guesses on what the top tax bracket has been in the history of taxes? I know it's
1: been really high, like higher than you would ever even imagine. Something like
0: uh, 80% or a little more than that, maybe even? Well, you're, you're dangerously close. Okay. Uh, 1944, the top tax bracket was 94%. Shockingly high, 94 I'm going to have to remember that, 94. So if you think about, take that same example from from before, we take a dollar out of of our IRA, and 94 cents of it goes to the Internal Revenue Service. (laughs) That's a little bit. What's the point? Yeah, what's the point? Well, and to your point, that's just federal. And then depending on what state you live in, you then have to pay state taxes. So a little trivia, and if you've been to one of our events, you've probably heard me talk about this. There was an actor at one point in our history that later became a politician, and his name was Ronald Reagan. And the reason this is important from a tax perspective is that Ronald Reagan, in his heyday of making movies, uh, he made about $100,000 a year per movie. And if you look at his movie record, he never made more than two movies in one year back in the 1940s. Why? Because if you think about every dollar he made after his second movie, 94 cents went to the IRS. And then he lived in what state? California. The rest of it went to the state. Hmm. So it literally... Did not make sense for him financially to make more than two movies because every dollar, and at that time, it's over $200,000 was the top of that bracket. It just didn't make sense for him to make more movies. Now, I do not think we were all robbed that he didn't make more, more movies. Okay. They weren't fantastic uh, films, as we could say. Uh, But it just goes to show you the power of taxes and the tax code and how it makes people make decisions about how they make money and how they invest. Amazing to uh, see that, though. But
1: it is a striking illustration of how… If tax rates get to be too high, it can stifle, I don't know if innovation is the right word, but it's a small microcosm of uh, definitely a concern that a lot of people have about rising taxes, kind of from a, from a larger level that people won't be motivated to continue to produce, to work, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's interesting to see that that has played out in real life before when the tax rates were so high. Amazing.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And if you, 94, that was a blip. It's only been that high for a few years post-World War II. But in the last 100 years, we've spent over 40 of those years with a top tax bracket of 70%. Wow. So the 94 was an anomaly, but not not so much still very high amounts. Yeah. So my point being, and I'm not a gloom and doom type of person, just stating the facts that we've had much higher tax rates in the past. And if we look at where we are today, we're historically low rates with where they are today. And in previous times, I would have to say, I don't have a crystal ball, and I don't know when tax rates are going to go up. Well, I can, in fact, tell you when tax rates are going to go up, and it's going to be January 1st, 2026, because that's when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, those things roll back on the personal side, and we go back to 2017 rates it's, it's, at that it's, point. It's already scheduled to go up, essentially. It's, yeah. it's, it's baked it, in. It's baked in, and it could go up quicker depending on what, who gets elected mm-hmm. you know, on our next round of um, the presidential election. So... All this being said, uh, we're going to do an entire podcast uh, around the idea of taxes are on sale. But for today's podcast, just want to make sure you understand that tax planning is looking at all the options that are available to you in your personal situation to either defer uh, taxes to later or exercise your ability to move money from one tax bucket to another. And that's what we're going to spend a bulk of our time uh, with, talking about the mechanics of that and just some of the things that I need to be aware of. And so just everybody knows the white paper will be posted uh, with this episode, so you can download that. I believe it's five pages this year, but it really lays all the foundation of what the tax brackets are, and then also gives you a great list of things that you've got to do from a time perspective. So it's on a timeline, and it gives you some uh, things to look at to be able to get prepared for the upcoming tax season.
1: What are some of the, uh, the highlights from the white paper from this tax planning guide that you've put together for people to access? If uh, we can spend a few minutes kind of walking through some of the things that catch your eye the most.
0: So let's we'll start with the the premise on the white paper is that tax planning and strategies that you want to implement, most of those need to occur prior to December 31st of this year, and most of those are only going to be available for this tax year. Now, things that are outside of that, uh, if you're going to be able to fund an IRA, a Roth IRA, now you have until April 15th of next year to do those things. Uh, but if you're looking at things like funding your IRA contributions, your TSP, things like that, you've got to have that done by the end of this year. So first of all, we have to understand our timing. Uh, next thing we need to look at is, well, how do we do this? How do we do a forward-looking projection? Now, we do this for our clients, but if you're a do-it-yourselfer, really need to sit down and you need to have available to you last year's tax return. And then also all your current year income for 2019. And so if you're still working, uh, you need those W-2s. If you have interest and dividends, you need those calculations. If you have rental property, we need to know what that cash flow looks like. Because all that data will tell us how much money is going to hit the taxable side of your 1040. And once we understand what that tax liability looks like, then we go to work and figure out what are the strategies, what are the levers that we can pull to minimize that. All right. And so the idea of if you're still working and you're on the younger end of the spectrum, you're trying to figure out how do I get money put aside for my retirement? And so like we talked about, maybe it's funding your 401k to your highest limit. Uh, Maybe it's funding the Roth 401k because you have a strong belief that tax rates are gonna be higher later. And so you wanna go ahead and fund that tax-free portion. So knowing knowing the your ability to do that, again, we just want to make sure, what have we done to this point, and do we need to play any catch-up uh, for the following year. And if the new numbers for 2018, uh, if you're looking at a 401k, if you're under 50 years old, uh, you can put $19,000 into your 401k plan at work. If you're 50 or older, you can do up to $25,000, and that's per person. So that post-50, they're really letting you catch up and put money aside for retirement. Now, again, you're going to have to decide, does it go into the traditional side, which means it's tax-deferred? As Say that another way. If you're making $100,000 per year and you put $25,000 into your 401k, your taxable income for that year would be $75,000. If we put it into the Roth side, the Roth 401k, we make the same $100,000, we put $25,000 into the Roth 401k, our taxable income for the year is $100,000. Because that money, you don't get a tax deduction for it, but it grows tax deferred and comes out tax free later when you decide to take it out and retire. Now, there are some things you have to abide by some some rules. But the what I want you to take away is, if you're 50 years or younger, you can put $19,000 per person. If you're 50 year older, you can put 25,000. It's up to you or the professional you're working with to decide which one makes the most sense for you.
1: Okay. So some good nuances to be aware of this upcoming, you know, tax filing year, a couple of different moving parts and pieces there, certainly. And I think the timeline there is important for all of that to uh, make sure that we're keeping track of here, Scott. But big takeaway is not a a ton of differences uh, this year compared to, uh, we haven't had as many changes this year that we did the year before. So that's certainly something that's very good to know. One thing I was thinking about, I know we spent a little time last year talking about this. Have there been any changes on the front uh, when it comes to those RMDs, the things people always forget about that (laughs) they have to start taking out?
0: The required minimum distributions. Yes. Uh, So a couple things, if you've been listening to the show, uh, we talked about the SECURE Act and the RESA proposal. Those would, in fact, extend the current RMD ages till 72 or 75. But as it stands today, if you reach age 70 and a half, you're required to take a certain amount out of your IRAs. And why is that? Well, you got a tax deduction when you put the money into your IRA or 401k. And If you haven't started taking money out of it, by the time you get 70 and a half, the IRS wants you to start liquidating it. They want you to start freeing up the tax dollars in there. And so they hit your 1040 and they can start recouping the tax dollars that are there. And so for a lot of folks, uh, those required distributions, they may need those to make their world go round. That fills their income gap along with their social security check. So it's going to come out. Uh, We just want to make sure you're, you're as tax efficient as possible with those dollars. But if you find yourself in a situation where, hey, we really don't need these RMDs, these are just forced upon us. We don't really need them. And they're causing some tax issues for us. Or if you find yourself over 70 and a half and you find yourself not being able to itemize anymore because of the tax changes, it's estimated that only 10 to 15% of the population are going to be able to continue to itemize until the tax law changes in 2026. So there's this great thing uh, called a qualified charitable distribution. And it's also called QCD for short, so Qualified Charitable Distribution. And here's how it works. First of all, you have to have reached age 70 and a half. You can't do this before, but you can contribute up to $100,000 per person per year directly to a charity, and this contribution will count towards your required minimum distribution. So let me give you a real world example. Uh, I've got a client, a single gentleman uh, was giving about $2,000 per quarter. So every 90 days, $2,000 to his church. And it's been in a situation where he can't itemize anymore. He's just taking the standard deduction. So he doesn't really get quote, credit for that he gets credit from the right places the church definitely uh, appreciates it but from a tax perspective it, it wasn't attractive from a tax perspective so when he reached seventy and a half we sat down and said all right you know you're sending this two thousand dollars a year or quarter to your church well what if we take that two thousand dollars and take it from your IRA I said no you need to take about $10,000 per year for your RMD this year. So why don't we send $8,000 of that to your church? So in essence, he washes that $8,000 off of his 1040, and he still gets to take the standard deduction above and beyond that. When he's filing singly, so there's an example of use the tax code. We've neutralized eight thousand dollars off of his tax return. He's continued to tithe to his church and fulfill his commitments to them, and he got a much better tax situation because of knowing those rules. So again, 70 and a half, the qualified charitable distribution may be something that you want to look into and investigate uh, because it may t- you may be able to take advantage of that and save on some taxes.
1: And is that pretty much a rule that is only applicable to someone taking RMDs? Do you have to be – it's for that particular
0: situation? Yes, you have to okay. be 70 and a half. For example, a, a new client came to me, and they had got some not-so-great advice. They were told, oh, yeah, it's in the year you turn 70 and a half. You can send that to your church, and we'll offset it. And that's not accurate. Mm. You have, so in this situation, the client now, now a client, had already sent money to their church, but they weren't able to use it as a qualified charitable distribution. And so timing is extremely important. You have to have reached 70 and a half to take advantage of this.
1: That's important to know. So we've got to make sure that we, uh, che- that's a great example of checking all the right boxes. And that's yeah. that's why we have the checklist, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. And and again, you know, taxes are so nuanced. You know, we do not do tax preparation. You know, we've talked about that. Tax planning and tax preparation are two totally different things. You know, tax preparation is looking back in history, gathering up documents, putting them in the right spot in the boxes, and generating a return. Tax planning is looking at, you know, forward looking, what does your tax return look like now and in the future? And is there money falling through the gaps? You know, is there Windows of opportunity we're not taking advantage of. And tax planning is simply taking advantage of as many of those things as possible to minimize taxes. Now, we all need to pay our fair share. I'm not saying that we don't. We just don't need to be overly patriotic in our tax in our pain of taxes. You know, that that's my takeaway here.
1: Overly patriotic, I like that. <laughs> There's something else I'm curious about whenever it comes to talking about taxes, and especially you use the word minimizing taxes. I've always heard this, you know, it's a good time to uh, you know take some losses on the portfolio. what What does that look like? What does that mean?
0: Yeah, so it's a great uh, example of tax loss harvesting. And so if you're one of our clients and you have money outside of an IRA or Roth in what's called a non-qualified brokerage account, it's simply looking at do you have gains inside of your portfolio and do you have some losses? You may have a stock that has a great gain and so you have one that has a loss. So let's say you have a stock that has a $1,000 gain in it. And we look and you've got three stocks that have a total of $1,000 loss between the three. Well, if we sell the $1,000 stock that has a gain and we sell the three that have a loss, those losses gains offset each other. So we're harvesting the losses to offset the gains and adjust our cost basis up. And the reason we want to do that is to you know, take advantage of that tax arbitrage. Now, for our clients, you know, if we're managing those accounts, that happens automatically. Uh, but if you're managing on your own, uh, you may want to look at what positions we have that have a gain. Do we have things that have a loss? Let's offset those and neutralize those taxes for the year—the capital gains taxes.
1: And it's, uh, is that kind of the only idea if you're – I mean, isn't that a counter to, not to play devil's advocate here, but isn't that counter to the long-term strategy of saving and investing, to not
0: sell low? It's necessarily counterintuitive. You're looking at, are we taking advantage of a tax situation? And so let's say that we we sell that stock that we really like, all right, and then we sell those three that we had a loss. Now, as long as we follow the rules from a tax loss harvesting perspective, we can always go back and buy that same stock at a later time at a different price. Now we just have a new cost basis there. So, again, it's just making sure that, you know, in the context of taking advantage of things that are given to us, we're just saying, all right, we've got a situation where we've got some winners and some losers. If we can sell those at the same time to offset then we've got a situation where that's just good planning gotcha and
1: so a little bit of a balance of short-term versus long-term goals as well what are we trying to accomplish short-term versus long-term and then that it dictates what you want to do in a particular situation
0: absolutely and that you know that harvesting you know that tax gain tax loss harvesting the money that comes out of that bucket, that non-qualified bucket, we call it the taxable bucket, your capital gains rates are dictated by your ordinary income. And so if we can negate gains and losses in that bucket, we have a lot more leeway down the road to sell those depending on what our other income looks like. And that's a little Tough to you know to lay out an audio version, if this is video, I could do it with a whiteboard, uh, but just know the money that comes out of that bucket uh, has an effect or is affected by all the other income sources and all the other money that comes out of your other buckets you know so again it 's got to be a cohesive strategy to make sure we 're taking advantage of all the levers that are presented to us
1: makes a lot of sense, Scott. if I wanted to. Uh, kind of take a New Year's resolution out to say, I want to get better organized in my financial situation heading to next year. What would be some of the things I could do to help make that happen in areas of improvement?
0: Yeah, so to get organized, I would encourage you to find a place to store your tax documents until it's time to prepare to file. You know, a good record keeping system may alleviate concerns later as the deadline gets closer. And if you have your documents or prior year returns stored on your computer, make sure you back them up on a thumb drive. If you're a client of ours or a client vault, uh, you can store all those documents in there. So you've got a kind of a backup system there. And so getting that organized, it is just making sure that you follow the checklist, have all the documents in place uh, that you're going to need for preparation. But from a planning perspective, as long as you understand and have a good estimate of what income is going to be recorded in the year of 2019, and that's all sources your checking, savings, CDs at the bank, your RMDs from your IRA, your pension, your social security, if you have money in the taxable bucket, those interest and in dividends. We want to get a handle on all those things, you know, going into the end of the year, because that helps us make year end decisions on can we have a little more income on our tax return. And it also lets us know what the room is in subsequent years to see what we can move around. So, and it really comes down to, and we'll kind of tie it up to this, is that you've talked, you heard me talk a lot about this, you know, your tax return, your 1040 is like a graduated cylinder and the same graduated cylinder we all had in our chemistry class. And it had little marks on the side. And as you fill up that cylinder with your social security, your pension, your required minimum distributions, that income starts to rise And the further it goes up on that graduated cylinder, the higher potential taxes. So what we're really talking about is, do we minimize the amount of money that goes in there to minimize taxes? Do we use deferral strategies like putting more money into our 401k or IRAs? Or do we say, hey, we've got enough room this year that we're going to take some money from our IRA and we're going to convert it to a Roth IRA? and we're gonna keep our taxes in control. And so it's making sure you've got options. And when we're talking about moving money from one bucket to the other, it's really with the mindset that there's a high probability or possibility that down the road, taxes are probably going to be higher than they are today. And we know they're going to go up in 2026, but there's a strong case, and we'll talk about this in later episodes, that we could see higher tax rates in our future. And if nothing else, we can base it on the past because we've had a precedent for much higher taxes in our past.
1: Is it bad that I don't know what a graduated cylinder is? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. How about a how about a beaker? Okay. I mean, I know what a cylinder is, or, or a beaker. So is it is what's the graduated part of it? Is it the shape that's changing, well, or
0: no? It's a, a graduated cylinder. It it looks like a funnel. Okay. But on the side of it, it has basically. It, usually, you pour fluid into it, and <laughs> as it fills up, you start going up the side of it. And like, oh, there's more and more fluid inside this beaker. Right. Okay. And the volume increases. Well, just like a 1040, the more money you put into that 1040, your tax brackets are, the, are on the side of it. Gotcha. And so if you're at $300,000 in taxable income, you're in the 24% bracket. And if you go over $315,000, you are in a 32% bracket. So it's just that gradual filling up of that graduated cylinder. The higher you get, the more money you get into it, and the more taxes you're paying.
1: I just didn't know if there was something uh I I know what a cylinder is, obviously, but mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't remember the word graduated from uh, you know fifth it's grade you're a, you're science a youngster. Class. <laughs> We were all virtual in our science experiments, you know? We had... A,
0: we had a, you just, just type graduated cylinder into your Google. I'm,
1: I'm seeing pictures of it now, yeah. I've seen, I've seen one or two of these, you know. Back in the day, I saw a few of these. <laughs> when Lincoln
0: was president, we that's had graduated, right. graduated
1: cylinders. cylinders. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I was more, of, you know, math and obviously some broadcasting. That was more my speed. The science classes, I, uh, you know, obviously that didn't stick very well, so... <laughs> (laughs)
0: That's right, And we're glad because you're good at this. There
1: we go. There we go. Graduated cylinders. You learn something new or at least maybe are reminded of something every day in your life. That's a good example for me today. I remember now what a. won't say I know what a graduated cylinder is now. I remember now what a graduated cylinder is. Very good. (laughs) Uh, That's all very helpful, Scott. Thank you for, again, kind of filling us in on some of the things to be aware of as we head into 2020, what we should be aware of when it comes to, you know, obviously filing our 2019 taxes and some things we can still do before the end of the year year to take advantage of those items. If you want to get this checklist that Scott has prepared for you, just check the description of today's show. Whatever app you're using, you're going to find a link there that's going to take you to the show notes where we have this available to you. So again, would you say, Scott, five pages or so, this uh, tax planning guide?
0: Yep, it's five pages this year. Five pages, okay.
1: If you want to get that, again, you can go to the description of today's show and find it there. You can also find every episode, as well as this one and its resources, at listen listentoscott.com. That's listen listentoscott.com. Or call Scott if you've got any questions that you want to talk out personally, 913, area code 393-4724. Again, 913-393-4724. Scott, thanks a lot for the help. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Taxes are on sale. We're going to tell you how to take advantage on the next edition of the show. So be sure to come back and join us for the next episode, right back here on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor.